Welcome to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I am your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has served at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department, and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Friends, fentanyl is plaguing America. It has infected all illicit drugs, from cocaine to meth, counterfeit pills, and even marijuana. If you are around someone who may be using drugs, you should carry naloxone, the opioid reversal agent. Carrying naloxone for drugs is like carrying an EpiPen for allergies. If you need a prescription for naloxone, you should have one, no questions asked. That is why I am offering a free prescription to anyone who needs one. Come visit me on hightruths.com to learn more about the show, submit a question, or download a free prescription for naloxone. And if you like the show, do me a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. Your stars are very much appreciated and go a long way in supporting the program. Today's episode is sponsored by Clear Scientific. Clear Scientific is a biopharmaceutical company pioneering an antidote to methamphetamine, clearing it from the body. The heart of Clear Scientific is combining chemistry and community to save lives. You can see a cool simulation of the new drug in action on the Clear Scientific website at www.clearsci.com. C-L-E-A-R-S-C-I.com. Hello, High Truth listeners. I am so excited to be with you for a new and developing episode. I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev. There are very rare, true new developments that help with drug use. Sadly, most of the time, if someone takes a drug or medication, there is no way to remove it from the body. The patient has to wait until the drug is eliminated and metabolized naturally, which could take a while. In the emergency department, we treat the severe symptoms of drug use. We have no antidote. Clinically, methamphetamine has one of the greatest impact on the emergency department because of its long half-life. A patient who is drunk may spend a few hours in the emergency department but will sober up. A patient with cocaine or opioids will resolve acute symptoms within hours. However, people on methamphetamine can have severe symptoms for up to three days. A common scenario is someone with suicidal thoughts while on methamphetamine. After an average of three days of detoxifying and metabolizing from meth, their suicidal thoughts may resolve and feel better. Three days is a long time, and suicidal ideations is just one of many serious effects from methamphetamine. And with that, let's hear our question of the day. Hello, High Truths and Dr. Lev. Thank you so much for the great podcasts and all the work you're doing. I would love to see the ability to get CME credit for this because I really feel that there's a strong educational component to this information and to your podcasts. I think that they provide particular education for something that we really uh, don't learn in our traditional teaching and even in residency to an extent. Uh, my name is Mark Canis. I'm an emergency physician. I work in a very busy urban emergency department in California. And uh, in fact, I'm in the San Diego area where it feels as though we are just at a uh, position where we the, are the hub 
for methamphetamine abuse, intoxication. I feel like our uh, particular hospital is a center of excellence for methamphetamine abuse, which is not something to necessarily be proud about. Uh, I would say on average, I'm seeing at least uh, anywhere from three to five patients per shift that are there with a real direct attributable uh, disease process or comorbid condition that's affected or uh, directly related to their methamphetamine use. And beyond that, I would say it's an additional five that have methamphetamine abuse in their history. And I really feel that it is negatively impacting their current care. So, like I said, it's really a tragedy and it's really challenging, uh, especially given how toxic this drug is. I'm asked frequently about, you know, what methamphetamine does and some of its effects. And in fact, I was trained at LA County USC, uh, where we really see crazy cases. And I think that the, the true power of meth, the true ability for this drug to really completely alter somebody's overall sensorium and their psyche and so many different aspects of their body uh, is illustrated by kind of my go-to case when I describe that we saw a patient in the trauma bay who had taken uh, an, an injection of methamphetamine, climbed onto a uh, train track and had both of his legs just severed at the uh, at the lower shin region, uh, which is gory and horrible and exactly why, you know, people want to hear these crazy stories. But the thing is, is that the paramedics were just absolutely blown away and had to describe the scene, which is that they immediately got to this patient, resuscitated him. He was hypotensive from blood loss. They applied tourniquets. But as they looked down the train tracks, they could see these bloody marks that are essentially uh, from his stumps that he had just been walking on that they described for around almost 50 yards, like a half a football field. And you could tell that that was true because the actual stumps that they had they'd wrapped as we unwrapped them were just covered with dirt and straw and debris. And it was clear that, you know, he had just been walking on them. I think the only way that that would be possible is if you were just so incredibly affected by a drug that's as powerful as methamphetamine. The question that I have is really what kind of advances are being made in, you know, the pharmaceutical or the biotech field for methamphetamine. I've always dreamed of there being some magic silver bullet drug for alcohol intoxication and recognize the challenges because of the particular receptors and their crossovers with GABA receptors. But I wonder if there's any uh, anything out there that's being developed for methamphetamine and would love to hear information about that. Thank you so much again for what you're doing and for this amazing content. And I look forward uh, to more information. Thank you, Dr. Canis, for your account on the devastating health effects of methamphetamine and your question on pharmaceutical advances. In fact, there is hope on the horizon for a new drug in development that can surround the methamphetamine molecule and remove it from the body out to the urine within a couple hours. Sounds like magic. So let's hear about this magic from the experts at Clear Scientific, Mitch Zakin and Winston Henderson. Dr. Mitch Zakin is the Chief Scientific Officer for Clear Scientific. He obtained his PhD from Harvard 
and has over 35 years of experience developing technologies for life science and chemical biological defense. He is a former program manager at DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency that is tasked with maintaining technical superiority for the United States military. Winston Henderson is a general counsel for Clear Scientific. He has over 25 years of experience in intellectual property law and working in technology startups. He obtained his law degree from Duke, an undergraduate degree in biomedical and electrical engineering. You can find Mitch Zakin and Winston Henderson's bio, as well as information on Clear Scientific on the High Truth show notes. Dr. Mitch Zakin and Winston Henderson, welcome to High Truths. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor. And I'm very excited to, for this show and to the magic that you're going to be telling our audience about. But let's get to know you first. Uh, Mitch and Weston, tell us how you came to work on the issue of methamphetamines. Well, that's, that's a great question, uh, Dr. Lev. So there's actually five of us. So we have Winston Henderson, myself. We have Xinhua Li, Pete Howe, um, and Shaker Shetty. The five of us uh, were working for a different company, and we decided that, you know, at this stage in our careers, we wanted to do something in public health. So we um, got together and formed Clear Scientific and um, began working actually on the problem of opioid overdose in the, in, in the context of um, uh, as a terrorist agent uh, for the Department of Defense. And uh, long story short, uh, Xinhua Li, our executive VP of uh, chemistry, was, in, was invited to an NIH symposium and gave a talk on that subject. And somebody at the National Institute on Drug Abuse was in the audience. And um, they invited us to go uh, have a chat with Dr. Nora Volkov, the, the head of uh, NIDA. And Dr. Volkov really liked what we had, but um, she said, you know, the opioid problem, okay, we're working on that, but there's nothing for methamphetamine. Okay, there really is no medication for that. So would you guys be interested in looking at that? And so we went off and, and did some work on it and went back and reported our results. And um, Dr. Volkov was interested. And so that's basically how it's progressed. Now NIDA is working with us uh, to try to solve this very difficult public health problem. That's great. And that's why Dr. Nora Wolkoff has been a leader for so long. She knew exactly, and this was years ago probably, of, of what's needed. Um, and Winston, what about you? So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, one of the non-scientific members. I, I have a baby engineering degree, as all the PhDs and MDs remind me, in the building. And so uh, I come at it from a from a slightly different vantage point where public health is is kind of in addressing that is kind of in my DNA and in my blood. And so getting together with a, a number of like-minded people that Mitch that Mitch described was really important. And it was it was it was a it was a kind of a godsend to to connect with Dr. Nara Volkov. And as you know, not everybody wants to work in this space, right, commercially. And so we decided that we were going to follow the science and follow the need for public health. And we think there's a, a very large market. So it's a it's definitely a business, but we were followed by the science and the and the need to to uh, to develop something that really addressed a huge and growing, unfortunately growing public, public need. So you, you both as individuals and as in your professional life wanted to work on the issue of opioids and drugs. You came, you were encouraged to do methamphetamines because nobody else was doing that. What have you learned in the meantime about the methamphetamine problem? 
Well, you know, the methamphetamine problem is absolutely awful. As you know, Dr. Lev, you're on the front lines of that every day dealing with patients. And and so it's just, it's a scourge and it's growing. It's the fastest growing drug of abuse right now, methamphetamine is. Um, matter of fact, some new data was just, just came out within the last couple of weeks to say that the number of emergency department visits that have methamphetamine connected to them is over 800,000 per year in the United States. You know, about a third of the people who come in to the hospital get admitted. Um, they're, they're basically, meth is a, is a terrible drug in the sense that it attacks the whole body. You literally take it and you find it everywhere. It rots your teeth. It hurts your brain. It, it, it you know, basically can, can destroy your cardiovascular system. So, you know, it, it's just, it's just terrible. And it's, it's very difficult to, to be able to escape it once you're, you're actually on it. And um, right now, uh, you know, in rural America, for example, it's exploding in certain parts of the country. Um, it's just, it's just a scourge and it's moving across the country very rapidly. And right now there's just no, there's, there's really no medication for it, right? As, as you know very well, and you've taught us, it's sedate and wait. So someone comes into the emergency department, uh, they may be very violent. And so the, the healthcare providers are, are, of course, at risk there. But then it's a matter of sedating them. And essentially, they may occupy a hospital bed and sleep it off for as, as long as, say, three days. So it's just a terrible problem all around. It costs the, the healthcare system over $3 billion per year. And um, it's just getting worse and worse. That's terrible. I, I like what you have to say, sedate and wait, because that's exactly what we do. We have somebody who we don't even know what drug they're on. Um, we need to sedate and then we have to wait because um, there's no antidote. And Winston, you were going to say something. Yes. And one of the one of the so we, so we learned a lot about the science of of, of methamphetamine and how it, uh, as as Mitch said, it distributes um, throughout the body and does harmful effects um, to the brain and, and a number of, of different organs. And we learned a lot from, uh, from the research of uh, Dr. Volkov about, about addiction and, and how it is, um, how it is, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a moral or ethical failing. You know, there's the biological, biochemical and, um, and changes in the brain, in the brain chemistry. And what I, what I've been heartened by is as the, problem of the methamphetamine crisis moves from the 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 rural or uh, central US areas throughout the country uh, the policy members are 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 trying to respond and they need innovation partners that will provide a therapy so we we've, we've really been struck by the fact that uh, finally probably as a result of the awakening of the, the need to address public health that came as a result of the covid crisis, that the policymakers and all the other parts of the ecosystem that need to be in place in order to get a new therapy delivered, everybody's responding, and we want to be that innovation partner that provides the, the therapy. Well, you're speaking the partnership language. Um, you know, it's not a moral failure. It's a biological disease, chronic disease, relapsing disease of the brain that's treatable. And uh, that treatable part is where you guys come in, and we're very excited about that. Um, you know, we have a terrible problem in, in San Diego. I think that we're ground zero for methamphetamines. We did a study and found that 76% of all our emergency department urine drug screens were positive for methamphetamines. And uh, I, when I met you guys, I was so excited about your drug development. Uh, I invited you to come to San Diego, see our emergency department, and uh, you took me up on that offer. Tell us about that visit. 
Well, you know, it's um, it was really an eye opener, Ronit. Um, first of all, you know, it's easy to be sitting in your ivory tower, right, and reading about the crisis and so on, but to actually watch healthcare providers like yourself in action and just sort of see, you know, the whole process for how people get admitted. Um, we understand many are brought in by ambulance or, you know, literally by the police bring them in. So it's they come in in all different ways, uh, shapes and forms. They, they you know, they have um, different things aboard. So they, everybody behaves differently. And then to see people actually sleeping it off and just sort of the whole process flow through the emergency department is an eye opener. I mean, one of the things that that really struck us was the fact that, you know, in, um, I mean, in, in your facility particular, I mean, as my recollection is you have about 75 beds or so in your, in your ED. Um, and almost 60, actually, I'm sorry, 60 beds, 60 beds. And, you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves here right? the expansion comes later, but the, but, but the, you know, the emergency, the emergency department's the gateway to the hospital. And so, you know, people are coming in with all kinds of things and, and they need treatment. If you have lots of folks coming in with, say, methamphetamine that, that literally need to occupy a bed for days, you're, you're essentially then, you know, blocking out people who, who uh, need care from being able to get that care. So, you know, it's the, you know, one of the, the big messages is that other than, you know, of course, you know, the healthcare providers are at risk because people with methamphetamine intoxication can be violent. But also just, just how methamphetamine in, in interrupts the whole flow, essentially, of the ED. And it's it, so essentially it branches out and, and makes things more difficult for yourself and, and, and the hospital in general. And one can only imagine, you know, um, the strain it puts on the system and the people. So Mitch, one of the other things that, that struck me from when Shaker came back from the visit, Dr. Lev, was the description from you and some of the other ED docs of just how harmful uh, the drug is to the patients and some of the kind of almost superhuman strength and, and pain tolerance that they exhibit that that make them suffer uh, when they're under the influence of meth. And then they show up in the emergency room, emergency department, and physicians like yourself have no idea initially what's in the system. So you have to treat it in some way. So we, looking at the, our approach that Mitch will probably get into later, uh, we think there's a real role. We saw the frustration firsthand of the person suffering from um, the drugs of abuse of the the clinician, the emergency room doctor who has to treat this patient without knowing exactly what's in the system. And, and then also the, the disruption in the ED and just the expense. And so there's a real room, room for therapy, no matter what, how you look at the problem, whether you're looking at it from patient treatment, um, system management in the hospital, therapeutic treatment, or if you're just looking at it for pure costs and, and effects that we've seen during the COVID crisis that can, it doesn't take a whole lot to really disrupt the ability of a, of a, a healthcare system to treat people in, in a particular area. Yeah, you guys are right. Um, there's a huge human toll, uh, systems toll, public health toll from methamphetamines. Um, Dr. Marek Canis, who uh, you guys met in visiting um, my emergency department, treats three to five cases of acute methamphetamine poisonings a shift. And he says he has many more that have other health consequences from methamphetamines. So now let's hear about the exciting news of your innovative drug. What is it? Well, um, so Dr. Lev, um, this drug for methamphetamine is called CS1103 right now. It will be given a name. 
um, at some later point. But right now, the talking name, the working name is CS1103. CS1103, probably the best way to describe it is, do you know the video game Pac-Man? Right? Sure. So you have this, this Pac-Man, which is kind of a C-shaped creature, right? The letter C. And it goes and it gobbles up things, right? And so um, CS1103 is, is basically a Pac-Man molecule. And what it does is it's like the letter C. It's very flexible, so it can, it can actually adapt to a molecule. Um, when you inject it, when it's in the bloodstream, it basically searches out and finds methamphetamine. And what it does is it rapidly binds to it. And it binds very strongly. So once it binds, it's not letting go. Okay, it, it binds very strongly. And when it binds it, it essentially hides it from the body. So it inact effectively inactivates it. So it's like it's not there. It can't harm you anymore. And then it does something on top of that which is because CS1103 leaves the body very quickly. So we call the half-life, which is the time it takes for half of the, of the drug to leave your body. It takes about an hour for about a half of CS1103 to leave the body. And when it binds methamphetamine, it carries it with it. So normally methamphetamine in your body, right, lasts, the half-life is about between 12 and 24 hours. It's a long acting drug, right? But when you put CS1103 in, it makes that half-life or residence time in the body just about an hour. So it accelerates the clearance. The mantra of our company, our, our, our raison d'etre, if you will, right, is remove the cause, remove the effect. Okay. So if you can clear a toxicant out of your body, it can't hurt you. And what's interesting is, so we have a, a um, library of these molecules that called they're small molecules they're actually very stable they're they're typical pharmaceuticals right we call them sequestrants or chelators but sequestrants because they grab onto and sequester the toxicant now in general if the toxicant toxicant can come into your body many different ways you can take it like a drug of abuse you can have an accidental um, overdose say for example you're a young adult or a child who's taking ADHD medications, which are stimulants, right? And you take too much by accident, okay? Um, or, um, you know, someone, you can be exposed to a drug, for example. Or alternatively, if you have a disease, um, say like phenylketonuria, in which, you know, you have a, a, a metabolic issue, so you can't metabolize certain foods or whatever, and certain toxicants build up in your body, no matter how that toxicant got there. A sequestrant can come in, grab that toxicant, inactivate it on contact, hide it from the body, and accelerate it out of your body, basically into the urine. All right. So, so CS1103 takes drugs from your body and takes it out through the urine. So we like to like to joke a little, it's grab and go, right? So you basically grab the toxicant and you go to the bathroom, right? And that's exactly how it works. So Dr. Lev, the, the interesting thing about the sequestrants, whenever you have something that is is binding and, and removing, you want to make sure you're binding and removing the thing that you want to and not affecting other things that you want to stay in the system. So both the, the selectivity and specificity of our, of our compounds in our platform and, and in particular, the, uh, the selectivity of 1103, CS1103 for methamphetamine is, is a really exciting uh, characteristic. And the thing is, one, one and thanks, Winston, and you know, one, one reason for that is this unusual C-shape. So typically, I mean, they're, you know, being able to, to bind and sequester things from the body is not a new concept. There are iron chelators if you have diseases where you have too much iron in your blood. Um, there is a drug called Shuyamidex, which 
if you're having a surgery and you're having a neuromuscular blockade put in, Chagomidex gets in there and grabs the blockade molecule and takes it out so that you can recover from the, you know, reverse the blockade. So it's not new. But what is new and first to the world is this class of compounds, these acyclic class of compounds that we're talking about. Because number one, they can flex and, and you can make them so that they will grab onto what you want and not grab onto what you don't want. But they also have another very interesting property in that, you know, they always like to have a dance partner. They like to be full. So when you deliver it, they usually have water in it or whatever. When you put it in the body, it'll start binding to, to whatever is around. But, okay, while it's in your bloodstream, before it leaves your body, it will bind to whatever binds it most strongly. It's its favorite dance partner. And it turns out that methamphetamine is that favorite dance partner because no matter what else it binds to originally, when it sees meth, it says, oh, okay, I'll put you aside and I'll grab the meth and carry the meth out into the urine. So that actually, because of this very, very unique, matter of fact, we're chemists. And when we saw this molecule for the first time, we said, we've never seen anything like this before. These properties are, are crazy, actually. And um, it turns out that from a clinical perspective, these very unusual properties have these advantages and allow the drug to essentially have very little side effects. That's pretty amazing. So you said you're, you're a chemist. You like to play with all these molecules. The other sequestrants uh, that are available, like Sugamidex for anesthesia, is a round uh, molecule. And this one is different because it's C-shaped. So are you saying this is the first C-shaped Pac-Man molecule type drug ever in history? Ever, yes. And how did you how did you come about it? Do you like play with molecules and do little chemistry experiments and make a, a circle into a C and change molecules around? How does that work? Well, it turns out you know there's in life there's there's a lot of serendipitous moments and and so basically we through one of our um, through one of our talented staff members we became aware of this molecule. There's a, a gentleman, a professor at the University of Maryland. His name is uh, Lyle Isaacson. He actually is the inventor of this particular class of molecules, and he has spent, gosh, now almost 25 years of his life studying them. And so it turns out that um, uh, through a number of connections, we were able to meet Lyle, and it turns out that uh, Dr. Dr. Lee from our company and Lyle were together in the same research group over 20 years ago. And so there was, a, there was one of these serendipitous sequences of connections, and then once that those connections were made, we realized, yeah, this is great. So now we, we know the inventor. You know, we really like the molecule. He had done some initial work on it. We were very interested. And then once that happened, we went in and acquired the rights to to his uh, his portfolio of drugs, and then moved it forward uh, with Nida. So you have this portfolio of of these C drugs. Um, do you did you change them around, or you just have them as is? Do you make them like we want it a little bit more specific to methamphetamine or fentanyl, or it works as? Does it need any adjusting? Well, actually, the answer is always both, right? So it, tur it turns out that the molecule we're starting with, okay, believe it or not, it actually binds to, to um, methamphetamine extremely strongly as is. But as as we can talk about later a bit, is it also binds fentanyl even more strongly. So the molecule as is, his best, his best shot molecule to start um, will reverse methamphetamine, will reverse overdose, will reverse fentanyl overdose, 
And we're working on reversing the combination of methamphetamine and fentanyl at the same time in a single, you know, single mammal, if you will, with one drug. And we've been doing work on that now. And uh, we're very excited. And as a matter of fact, NIDA has been generous to provide funding for meth, for fentanyl, and now for a combination of those two to do uh, to look at the, the co-use or co-intoxication problem, which, as you know, I believe in, in, in your hospital, you see this all the time. And in some parts of the United States, up to 90 percent of people uh, who present to the ED with an overdose have a stimulant and an opioid aboard. Uh, which honestly is shocking. And so when you have both of those aboard and, you know, they act by different mechanisms, they could balance each other a bit or they could be, you know, synergistically bad for you. Um, how do you get those both out of the body? How do you fix, I mean, how do you fix this? Because they hit different biological receptors and so on. Our drug is just so simple. It literally just binds them and you, you pee them out. So, you know, we really have a lot of hope that we'll be able to remove both of these drugs at the same time with the same mechanism and, so, and, and really contribute to this growing scourge of polydrug intoxication. Right. So I, I, you're, you're right. People who um, use methamphetamine, um, there is a, a significant amount where there's actually methamphetanol in their meth supply. And that's why they come to the emergency department. They realize, hey, this is not what I usually feel like when I take meth. Something's wrong. Now they're getting used to that. And if you talk to people who use methamphetamine in San Diego, they realize like, oh, yeah, maybe I do have some fentanyl in there. And there are others who on purpose want to feel a little high. Now they're a little too high. And now they use a little fentanyl to come down and they they play chemistry in their own bodies to adjust their their feelings and, and mood from the drug. So having one drug, CS. 1103 that does both is amazing. Does it do other drugs? Does, does it work for um, cocaine or heroin, or is it just methamphetamines and fentanyl? Actually, that's a great question. And as a matter of fact, NIDA is funding us as well to explore that possibility. Right now, the strongest um, potency, I mean, the highest potency is for you know synthetic opioids, your fentanyls, um, and um, uh, your th things like methamphetamine and amphetamine and so on. Um, the, the drug actually does have a really good action against cocaine, morphine, and a variety of other compounds, uh, drugs of abuse as well, but not quite as good as for um, fentanyl and meth. And what that means is, is that it would require a bit more dose of our drug to be able to handle some of these drugs of abuse to which our drug doesn't bind as strongly to. And so um, what NIDA is, is sponsoring is, is our attempt to take the start these, the, um, the actual drugs we have now. There are several of them. And as you mentioned, do a little decorating, you know, a little tweaking to see whether or not we can raise the potency of, the, of our, our, our drugs um, towards cocaine, heroin, morphine, et cetera, and so forth to the same level as fentanyl and for methamphetamine. But even if we can't, get it all the way. The drugs are still potent enough now that we, we, we actually, you know, the more data we obtain and the further along we get, the more we really are beginning to believe that this really is a clean out drug. So when someone comes in and you administer 1103 or one of its cousins, that when you have these drugs of abuse aboard, it will clean them all out and essentially reset you. 
you know, that's so exciting and gives us a lot of hope because we're, it seems to be we're always behind um, the drug dealers and the drug developers, the illicit ones that are coming up with new things um, such as xylazines, um, which are really hitting the East Coast, or isoniazide, which is a much stronger opioid than fentanyl um, that even naloxone doesn't um, work for. So if we can stay ahead with this new class of drugs, um, uh, you know, it gives us a lot of hope because otherwise we really don't have anything. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Lev, that one of the really pleasing things about that we found with this class of, of uh, pharmaceuticals, therapeutics, is that, you know, they bind, right? You go in and they bind the bad stuff, right? And then you take it out. So you would think that the stronger and more specifically it binds a particular bad thing, the more potent it would be in the human being or in an animal, right? In vivo. And it turns out so far in every experiment we've done and our collaborators have done, when you, you know, we go off and measure the binding constant, we call it the association constant or the binding strength between our drugs and the target, okay? that um, the stronger it binds, the more potent it is in vivo, okay, in, in a person or in an animal. And so that correlation actually is held 100% of the time. And the reason it's important is we can go into the laboratory and measure this binding with literally hundreds and hundreds of compounds and drugs. And as a matter of fact, we have to do it anyway for the FDA, okay? Because one of the questions we get asked all the time is, what else are you taking out of the body, right? And, you know, uh, they say, are you taking out anything natural that should be there? Well, the answer is not much because we measure binding with things like catechols, neurotransmitters, your feel-good chemicals and other things in the body. And it turns out the binding is far, far weaker with our, to those compounds than, say, to meth or fentanyl. Okay. And then we also have to measure the binding to commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals. Okay. And so we've done that. And again, for the most part, the binding is much, much weaker and so on. And so we do this, and, but if a drug, for example, like xylazine, xylazine is on our radar. And so we've, we're going out and you know, measuring the binding to that. And again, you know, so, so basically the great thing about having this correlation between the binding strength of our, of our drugs to the targets, okay, and how, our, how potent our drugs work against those targets, you know, uh, in, in say, in people, for example, um, then uh, knowing that, okay, it allows us to screen. And if you come to us and say, ah, here's xylazine, do you think that your drug would be potent? Would, would it work at the efficacious? And we might say yes or no. But what that does is we use that data to guide our preclinical work to see, you know, to basically move quickly, move efficiently. And we don't want to waste resources or people's time if we don't think that we're going to get enough binding to a particular target for there to be a chance that we can get a drug to patients. You mentioned, Dr. Lev, this sounds strikingly familiar. Doesn't it sound like uh, the COVID crisis and how we're dealing with variants? And so it's very interesting from a public health standpoint is can you have the innovation economy work with the rest of the, rest of the ecosystem that develops therapies to keep up and keep pace with the, the variants, because we're talking about variants and, 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 and drugs. And so we, we, we hope that we're positioned both with our approach to the problem, uh, sequestration, and also the, the, the library, the uh, technology, the platform that we have, that we can get the information about the, the new threats and develop a therapy. And then hopefully 
with NIDA and with the FDA, find a way of efficiently approaching the public health crisis. That is so exciting. I really am so excited about that because, and it's a great analogy because, you know, the the COVID uh, virus strain changes. So the vaccine was good at one point and now it's not so good, right? And and if you could keep um, a step ahead and, um, you know, maybe the, um, if I'm doing the COVID analogy, the new strain is not as bad, you know, as the first one was. Um, and if we're and and I can see a time where your drug is on the market, and we as clinicians are seeing that oh it's not working so much. What else is going on? And we have information from law enforcement, from seizures, from medical examiners as to what's out there. Even as we're doing now, so I, I know about new drug trends, but we can keep you you know knowing about our drug trends so you could continuously test. Um, these drugs. And so we're not so behind in treatment as we are right now. Right. It's funny, Dr. Lev, if you look at narrowing the problem, so even if you look at the the, the policy uh, reactions where you have uh, the new Methamphetamine Response Act that was a bipartisan um, proposed uh, bill by, um, by uh, a bipartisan um, set of senators, uh, Feinstein, um, Senator Feinstein in California, and Grassley in Iowa that was signed by, by President Biden, people are looking at the, pri- the crisis in different ways. And so some people look at it from a law enforcement standpoint, um, or maybe even a border control standpoint, and certainly there's an aspect. So if you work on limiting the, the ways of, of the drugs getting to the street, that, that does something. Right, and if you start to if you start to give therapies like ours, where you stop people from dying and you give some type of therapeutic um, solution, then you can start to narrow the the crisis. And a lot of people are working on new ways of treating addiction and some of the some of the psychological and sociological aspects of it. But if we can each try to narrow the band of the the problem, we might have a shot. And so we again, we want to play the innovation part uh, of providing the therapies to this this overall solution. And it's exciting. So I want to kind of like recap of what we could, the type of ways of getting a drug out of the body. One way is just, you know, sedate and wait, as you mentioned. Um, there are um, other type of antidotes, for example, naloxone, right? That that stops an opioid overdose. How is, um, how is CS1103 different than naloxone? It actually works, Dr. Lev, by a completely different mechanism. So naloxone is what is known as a receptor antagonist. And what that means is, is that if you have an opioid in your body, say morphine or fentanyl, okay, it's going to, but they're going to go into the brain and they're going to bind to what are known as mu opioid receptors, a particular class of receptors that these, these compounds, these toxicants bind well to, okay? Uh, what naloxone does is it goes in to the brain and it competes with these, with the opioids binding to those receptors and what it does is it displaces it knocks those other those toxicants off the receptors so it's essentially it's, it's doing some blocking and tackling right it's it's blocking these the opioids out of the way and tackling the receptor and holding onto it tightly and so as long as the naloxone is in your body okay it works okay unless of course you have so much opioid in your body that you do what is known as re-narcotize which means that you know you just, you just there's not enough naloxone. It doesn't last long enough to be able to keep the 
the opioid at bay because it turns out that the the amount of time that naloxone stays in your body before your body eliminates it is actually quite short compared to how long uh, typical opioids like fentanyl stay in your body. So you see it's a competition, right? So when the naloxone begins to go away, the opioid begins, comes back onto the receptors, right? And so then you can actually wind up stop, stopping breathing again. It's called renarcotization that actually can be quite severe, especially as you mentioned, when these new opioids are coming on on the street, like carfentanil, which are way, many, many, you know, much more, much more potent than fentanyl, you're beginning to see this kind of thing. So naloxone doesn't remove anything from your body. It just leaves by itself. It just does this blocking and tackling and leaves, and it's too short. But CS1103, the reason why it's different as a sequestrant, what it does is it grabs the toxic and it grabs the fentanyl and basically shepherds it out of your body quickly. So even though our drug only you know lasts in the body, say, for a couple of hours, during those couple of hours, we're grabbing up all that fentanyl and we're getting an opioid or meth or whatever, right, and taking it out of your body. And so it's, it's, it's now gone. So it's gone. It can't hurt you. And we definitely see that in the emergency department. We have some people who are on uh, fentanyl or maybe carfentanil. I, I can't tell the difference clinically. Um, and uh, given the naloxone, it works. And then they go back down. And then naloxone and they go back down. So the, the opioids are still in the body. They don't go away from the body like you're explaining. Um, they're just temporarily kicked off from action by the Narcan. And if there's a lot of them, as soon as the Narcan's out, it goes. But um, CS1103, the Pac-Man, takes the the drug, uh, works within, how fast does it work? A great question. So for both methamphetamine and, well, actually for methamphetamine in particular, all right, because we, we grab the methamphetamine. Actually, let me answer this. Let me answer you and then tell you why, okay? Um, when we actually uh, give, when you give a toxic dose of methamphetamine, we're talking about not lethal, but just below that, right? Um, it turns out that uh, we can, the, the symptomatology, both the blood pressure, the heart rate, and all of the behavioral aspects are reversed in about two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. That's, that's pretty fast. And if you are doing something like you administer fentanyl or even carfentanil, it's, a, it's also a couple of minutes. So, and the reason is this. So Dr. Lev, when we, when we introduce CS1103 into the bloodstream, it stays in the bloodstream. It just circulates around. It does not go to your brain, doesn't go to your, doesn't go to your stomach or anything like that, your GI tract. It sits, in the, it sits in your circulation, your bloodstream. And so what happens is, is that molecules, uh, you know, toxicants that go to your brain very quickly, are very brain active, like fentanyl and methamphetamine, they go back and forth between your brain and your bloodstream very fast. Well, we're sitting there capturing all the methamphetamine or fentanyl that's in your bloodstream. We're sort of like this, this Pac-Man waiting for you to come across the, the blood-brain barrier, as they say, right? And so we create this concentration gradient, right? There's this, this less now free toxicant in your bloodstream, but more in your brain. So, of course, it drives more out of your brain into the bloodstream, right? And so and it comes in, we grab it, and then, of course, it's, it's drained out. So basically, um, it works really fast. And um, it very quickly clears. So it would not be as helpful if it didn't work fast yeah. and it cleared it faster. But it turns out it does both, um, which, you know, provides a great benefit for the patient because you can either, you know, take down the psychosis, maybe restore respiration and then get rid of that cause 
so you don't have the effect anymore. So it works within two minutes where it inactivates Pac-Man's grab the molecule, um, and then you pee it out within how long? Um, an hour, hour or two. An hour or two, and then it's just, it's out, done. Gone. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Uh, uh, grab and go, as you say. <laughs> Um, so this is very exciting. What uh, amazing! It's rarely to have to hear about something that's really innovative, and this certainly is. How can I start using this today or yesterday? You know, we really wish you could, um, <laughs> but you know, drug development does take a little bit of time. Um, and fortunately for this, okay, and and, and I tell you, it, it is a really big advantage when you have something simple like this. It's literally, this is a chemical, we're titrating, right? It's a chemistry problem, right? Which is great because we're chemists. Okay. Um, you know, well, basically, um, right now the drug is in preclinical work, right? And within the next, uh, by the end of the year, um, we will be applying to the FDA um, for permission to begin testing this drug in the first in human studies, which are safety studies, um, that we're uh, on track for um, to complete by the middle of next year. Okay. And then once that is done, if the drug proves to be safe, that's called a phase 1A study um, in FDA lingo. And then we ask the FDA whether or not we can then test it in a phase 1B study, which is also a safety study, but it's the safety of, and the phase 1A, basically you take a number of healthy volunteers and you give them the drug and make sure that's safe and you you know, you essentially say, what dose is it safe at? In the phase 1B, we, we use experienced meth users who are not currently seeking treatment. So these are experienced folks. They're, they're attenuated to meth, right? And you give them a fixed amount of methamphetamine, an amount that the FDA deems okay to do and has been done for a long time. And then you give CS1103 and see whether or not, again, whether the drug is safe now that meth is aboard. So not only do you get to get to study the safety or establish the safety of our drug in the presence of methamphetamine, but then you're also doing things like seeing how much of the methamphetamine we're removing. So you get some of the, the potency, the efficacy. Then from there, if all checks out, we go into a phase two trial in which you begin to expand out, you determine the dose you're going to use, and then you expand out in the patient population to as many as several hundred patients and then do this study and you get the real efficacy and dosing. And then we ask the F- we would then ask the FDA for permission to, to market and, and sell it. Our, our regulatory folks tell us that um, if all goes well, and as you know, drug development is a very risky business. So, you know, uh, if all goes well and everything stays on track and the FDA agrees, this treatment could potentially be available to patients about two years from now. And from drug development perspective, that's really fast. And part of it is because the trials are fast. You know, you give methamphetamine, you give our drug. Does it take it out? Does it not? Right. And so once you have that, then those trials literally, instead of lasting years, which some drugs do, could literally last weeks and most months. And so we're hoping to be able to to get it to patients within the next, say, two years. That's our hope and our goal. Two years, 2024? 2024. So, I mean, two years, I guess it sounds okay. I mean, as they say that it takes 10 years to develop a new drug, and yet with COVID, we've seen a vaccine up in six months. Can Is the urgency there? Um, do you see that in your in your course as, 
Are you getting the same love as the COVID vacciners got um, with the methamphetamine treatment? Winston. You are? So, you know, it's, it's the, the, the COVID pandemic was such a, a historic um, uh, worldwide impact. It's kind of hard to compare much to that. But if, if you look at the numbers of deaths due to, due to uh, uh, drugs of, of abuse, Dr. Levin, you know these numbers better than I do, and, and the impact that it's having on, on the, our country in particular, but around the world, uh, we would put this crisis up there with the COVID crisis as far as, as death, death and impact. Some of the policy people seem to agree. Uh, so I think there's some, some wind at our backs in, in making that case. And we would hope that clinicians like you and others would, would help us beat that drum. Um, and so, so we, we, we hope to tell that story and we hope that we've learned as a country to, to be better prepared and look at all of our processes. And in this case, uh, if there's a treatment that's, that can be expedited um, and there's no, nothing scientific or clinically leading to the delay, that we hope that we could convince some of the other ecosystem players to, to yeah. share. Yeah, and, and there's, there's, there are, there are, uh, are you know, standard mechanisms for that. So for example, expedited you know, review, there's breakthrough status um, when there is no current treatment available. And uh, we were deemed to have a crisis. And in this case, those two criteria we think are there. And so um, we'll be exploring those, um, you know, as a, as a company, um, you know, we are just 100% focused and passionate about getting this public health problem solved. Um, you know, we work tirelessly, we work, you know, we just, we have to get it done. I mean, the patients, their families, everybody deserves this. And so every possible route, every possible stone, we're going we're gonna to basically turn over and go as fast as we can within the science. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely de um, deserve that. We need that. Our country needs that. Our patients need that. You know, I've been, my listeners know that I'm very jealous of COVID. For several years, it was all about COVID, COVID, COVID. I think we've just recently seen data about life expectancy in the United States going down uh, dramatically. Um, and we have a lot more years lost because of drugs than we have years lost from COVID. Um, so I, I really hope we get the, the same attention as, as the, the COVID treatment has that we, we should have for this new type of drug development, um, including emergency use. We got emergency use for a lot of COVID therapeutics. I hope that you get that as well. Yeah, we would too. I hope so. <laughs> um, well, what about cost? Okay, this is amazing. This must cost a lot of money. Is it is it real expensive? And so the the uh, it's a small molecule, right? And so a lot of the a lot of the therapies where uh, you hear about these, I wouldn't say exorbitant costs, but but to a consumer, it's it's a it's very expensive and the conversation about costs. So the small luckily about the small molecule they're they're less expensive to to uh, manufacture, right? And so uh, if, we're, if we're looking at costing is is we're still so early that that cost um, costs we have a, a good handle on. Pricing we you know we still are a ways from doing, but our intention is to to be in the vein of developing something that is that is affordable. And so we're hoping to have the conversations with all those that, that help that happen. Sometimes if you leave the conversation too late, 
um, you 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 end up in a bad place. But in talking to clinicians, talking to payors, talking to patients, we are we really are dedicated to making this an affordable, accessible drug. That's great, and uh, right. So it, it you know, what's the cost of not doing it? Right, you said billions of not having it. Well, it's billions um, so to the healthcare system, but then you know when you think about. And this is a harder calculation, and people don't necessarily always take it into account, Dr. Lev, but when you think about lost workdays, you know, the, the whole sort of bigger impact on, on society, people have estimated that at hundreds of billions of dollars a year, um, sort of lost, sort of lost, lost the money, if you will, right? And so the, the problem just, it rolls everywhere, and it just, you know. You know, I don't, I don't know how many, how... I mean, I'm sure there are people who are working who use methamphetamines, um, but I, I see the benefit um, I, I, with the with the healthcare lens, right? So, you know, people come in the emergency department, they're suicidal, they're tweaking, they're agitated, and I instantly fix them, um, or. Um, they need to get bridged to buprenorphine or other drugs, and they need to get detoxed, and then I'm done. I got it. I got it in two minutes to two hours, completely out of the uh, out of the butt body. You know, instead of people sleeping in our emergency department um, for for days, we can we can fix that immediately. Um, so I, I think that all the cardiac patients, the number one um, cause of congestive heart failure in San Diego is probably from methamphetamine. And these patients are getting AICDs and complicated cardiac procedures, cardiac medications for the rest of their life because of the damage methamphetamine has done to their heart. And if we can eliminate that, that would be, I mean, I don't know if it, it, would, it would eliminate it right away. It doesn't take away the addiction. It just takes away the drug, but that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so very excited. Um, CS1103, let's talk about something fun. You said that, okay, that's the name it has right now, that and the family of drugs. How does a new drug get a name? Explain, what's the process behind that? Winston, Winston knows all about this. Winston, so go ahead. And in some ways, Dr. Lev, if you, if you were to, to poll the uh, uh, biotech and pharma companies, you get a, a number of different stories, everything from my kid gave me a name and and uh two we did this extremely long lengthy process of doing trademark searches and 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 focus groups and so every company has has kind of their quirky way of coming up with those you know we we plan you know mitch mitch is our our uh a creative person and so we think at the appropriate time we'll just give it to him and he'll come up with, with a name <laughs> that will be appropriate yeah, kind of like remove the cause, remove the effect. I don't know. Like you're come up with something. All right, I didn't know if that there's a company that you hire, and they come up with these. There, there, there are a number of. of um, there are, of course, there's a whole cottage industry of 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 marketing and advertising people who focus completely on the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company, and they have and they have their ways of doing it. Uh, but like I said, when you come down to it, even companies that have these entire process. As long as it's it, it, uh, it doesn't confuse people in different countries because you have to worry about a worldwide launch and you don't want to name, you know, the famous Nova story about the car where Nova sounded great in the U.S. and you went to 
uh, countries that spoke Spanish and Nova means doesn't go, which is not a great place. So you want to make sure it, it translates well, it's protectable and, and doesn't turn uh, turn uh, consumers off as identifiable. Uh, but behind the scenes, much like songwriting, where you realize that the songwriters wrote this in 15 minutes and it's a classic. Sometimes the, the story is that Mitch comes up with the name and we go with it. That's great. That's exciting. Um, I am really excited for Clear Scientific, what you guys are doing, the innovations, the possibilities. Um, it's really something new. Uh, magic, really, you know, got, you know, you're strung out on something and then magically it is out. This Pac-Man effect of grab and go. So um, very excited for you. Um, wish you the best of luck. Whatever I could do to make the case that the issue of drugs are just as important or I think they're the leading cause of, of problems in our country today that that need attention. Um, uh, I'm there and uh, wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you so much, Dr. Levin. It's going to be up to the, you know, the better we better we know the needs of the patients and the clinicians. So so you're listening to us during this podcast. But believe me, we're listening to you because you are the one who's going to direct us to uh, what a proper therapy um, is. And so we appreciate your support. We appreciate you uh, inviting us on this podcast. And and if we all keep pushing, I hope that we can we can hit the deadline that uh, Mitch talked about. I was, I was going to say, Dr. Lev, that. You know, one of the most powerful things here, you know, for the human condition is hope. And, you know, believe believe us, you know, we would love to have this drug on the market right now, um, you know, saving lives, you know, improving lives. But, you know, it, we're, we're, you know, it, it's, it's hopefully coming, um, you know, to provide hope for families, I mean, for the patients, their families, their relatives, their friends, their caregivers, and, and everybody, you know, so... Um, you know, when people ask us, what's the benefit? What's the major benefit of your drug? It's really hope that we can hopefully save lives and improve lives. And hopefully it's coming sooner rather than later. And we really appreciate your spending time with us, having us to your facility, showing us the way and teaching us, you know, really what this is all about from the front lines. And, and, and we appreciate your support and your wisdom and guidance. And um, we look forward to, to more interactions in the future. Um, and trying to solve this very, very difficult and important problem. That's great. And I want to say thank you to my colleague, Dr. Mark Canis, an extraordinary emergency physician sacrificing in the front lines in a very challenging environment. And Dr. Canis was a mentor to my daughter who shadowed him around and was amazed by his great rapport with patients. Thank you for setting such a great example to my daughters and for providing care to our community. And Mitch and Winston, um, again, we needed your drug yesterday. Stat emergency departments on the West Coast will be fighting over you as a testing site um, for this methamphetamine sequestrant, this CS1130, 1103 Pac-Man that grabs and goes um, and fixes things. Really, we need to have you have a speedy success. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Martin. you so much. Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsor. A sincere and warm thank you to Clear Scientific. Visit www.clearsci.org to learn more about their innovation to treat methamphetamine poisoning. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I am your host, Dr. Roni Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more high.
high truths. <laughs>